0: Welcome to the Peach
1: and Black Podcast. Your central place to hear unofficial news, reviews, trivia, and intelligent discussion on all things happening in the Prince world. Featuring the hosts, and
2: see. You know, it's got all those classic Prince elements. Captain.
3: Why wouldn't you just record as much as
1: you could? Player, oh, yeah.
2: It's just like a story house of ideas. Toe jam.
1: Either version.
0: I love both versions. And other special guests. Hi, this is Larry Graham. You're listening to the Peach and Black Podcast. Hi, this is Ricky Peterson, and you're listening to the Peach and Black Podcast. Hey,
3: everybody, this is St. Paul Peterson, and you're listening to the Peach and Black Podcast.
0: Hello, 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 and welcome back to the Peach and Black podcast. Joining me today are the Peach and Black panel. We're going straight into it. It's Player.
2: The question of you.
0: Toe Jam. Hello.
3: <laughs> <laughs>
0: How original. And Captain. Goodbye,
3: goodbye, goodbye. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and it's uh, Rob S. in the house as well with all four of the Peach and Black podcast members, and we are here to do another episode. We're going to try and keep this show pretty light. The last show we recorded, for obvious reasons, was quite somber and mellow, and um, it's safe to say that none of us, if I can speak on behalf of everyone, I don't know that I can, but I, I get the impression that none of us and none of the Prince fan community are really over what happened only a few months ago. But at the same time, we want to make sure that we um, focus on the music, on the art, why we were, we became fans in the first place, and not only keep our show going, but keep Prince's legacy going. So, And we thought the best way to do that is do a show that's all about us. <laughs> <laughs> Just for something different. Something, something light-hearted and up-tempo. So uh, what we did was sent out one request or question, really, to our audience via uh, different mediums, whether it be Twitter or Facebook, and we asked you guys, the listeners, to send us your questions. We've been doing this show for seven, seven and a half years or so, and we've got quite a good following, a very loyal and dedicated listening base, and we we don't take it for granted. We appreciate er anyone and everyone who listens to the show. And we wanted to give you guys an opportunity to ask us any, anything you wanted. Nothing was uh, off-limits. We will get through as much as we can, potentially everything that we received may be impossible because we we were inundated via every medium, really, which was great, but but the response was fantastic. So thank you for sending your questions in, and this is what the show's about. Ask Peach and Black a question, and we're going to do our best to answer them today. So we've got Captain set up with his long list. I've got all the questions, and you
2: guys don't really know what... What we're in for. yeah. (laughs) (laughs)
0: captain's the only one who has some semblance of of what he's about to ask us so this should be pretty interesting and of course he's going to be answering all of the questions as well uh so why don't we take it from the top before we how funny would it be if like every question's like what does captain eat for breakfast
1: (laughs) (laughs) is captain really that weird guy what's he like in real
0: life (laughs) what is he a captain of is he really a captain or is he just pretending to be a captain (laughs) is he he just like the captain from how i met your
3: mother there's so many questions you could do it'd be great
0: so uh, with that take it away captain okay
3: we got lots of questions uh, twitter and facebook and even some in private messages for whatever reason but we're gonna read them i don't know if we'll get time to do all of them but we're gonna do a lot of them now these are in no order but i've just noticed a few which are sort of more on the uh, maybe on the somber side so i thought we could just get those done first if everyone's fine with that yeah sure so, so first one is from david Ald, who I think most of us have met at the shows. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And his question is, how have you all moved on or not since the last podcast? And what did you think of the BET tributes? And what will be coming up in this big October tribute in Minneapolis? So, yeah. How have we moved on or not since a few months ago? Where are we now?
1: (laughs) That's a hard one to answer. (laughs) Total I'll go
3: first. I'll go first.
1: <laughs> okay. Here's a hard one to answer. Yeah.
3: I'll go first. I'm good, basically. I listened to, like, I didn't listen to a lot of Prince music over the last few years, really, except for the stuff that we were reviewing and, like, new stuff that came out. I wasn't really going back and listening to old stuff. And then after April 21st, I listened to so much for a few weeks, maybe a month, maybe maybe a bit more than that. And then I didn't listen to anything for probably two months three months and I've just started listening again like bits and pieces in the last like couple of weeks but yeah I'm good I've accepted everything I'm just ignoring all the TMZ and all the just crap stories that are coming out I just don't care it makes no difference to anything anymore so yeah I'm good anyone else uh,
1: I'm pretty much the same I think um, I listened to a lot of prints that first month yeah and and since then I really well I mean this is this is kind of normal it's not like something different for me i go through periods where i listen to heaps of prints and then i won't for a little while and then but you know inevitably it comes back comes around in circles so at the moment you know for the last couple of months i haven't listened to that much and um i think i said in the in the last episode i remember having that kind of cathartic experience uh listening to certain albums that first few weeks and i think since then i've been good as well yeah i mean every now and then you have that feeling of how shit is that you know (laughs) Yeah, how shit was it? But like you know, I mean, it's it's part of life, and uh you just move on.
3: MC, sorry, Rob S.
0: <laughs> Thanks, <Kate. But>, uh, guys. <laughs> I appreciate the, the the plug the plug for my Rob S name. Good branding uh, awareness. Tojem, I have I've I feel what you were saying. It's a, it is a difficult one to answer because you don't want to downplay the fact that over our lifetime, this guy was alive. This incredible musician was alive, and he was producing all this work and We've got such a, as many of our listeners do, such a long history, listening to him, seeing his live performances, reading about him, not only experiencing music, but being incredibly involved in the whole experience of what it meant and what it still means to be a Prince fan or an appreciator of his work. So it is really difficult. Personally, I was a bit like Captain. I wasn't really listening to him. I wouldn't say years, but let's say six months or so, half a year, let's say, before the um, piano and a microphone shows that we saw in February of this year, I wasn't really listening to him at all. And uh, even before the shows, I didn't listen to him much. And after those shows, I didn't listen to him much either. And since April 21st, I haven't listened to him at all. When I say at all. The occasional thing would pop up on Facebook that I would click, you know, a video or something new. I've dabbled a little bit, but nothing, I haven't listened to a whole album straight through. Nothing's possessed me to to turn him on. And I think it's kind of my way of possibly not actually fully allowing myself to accept it yet i don't know if that sounds odd but i guess i was one of those people and I'm, I'm still one of those people i haven't been able to go back to the music yet as weird as it may sound but it, it just feels weird to me i'm it's almost like like i'm playing a trick on myself subconsciously like i'll put it off for as long as possible and then ah oh, the, he'll announce a tour in a year or two you know like yeah i, I don't have I to think said this last time it's like there, there's still certain songs that i can't bring myself to listen to but yeah, I feel what you're saying, but for me, it's been more than that. I'm just, it's not that it's incredibly difficult to, to put him on, to put his music on, but I think it's, it's got something to do with what I just mentioned a second ago, which is if I don't go back to the material, eventually maybe I'll feel better or something will happen or, or maybe something will be released by the estate that will re-engage me. I just feel weird. So that's where I am now. <laughs> I'll just
1: On that, um, I was just saying in my one about, you know how, I'm sure we all go through this, where you listen to heaps of Prince and then you sort of taper off a bit. And then typically what happens is, like, there's a new album coming and so you start getting back into it again. And that's the scary thought to me as you were saying that. It's like, well, if there's no more Prince albums coming out, which there won't be, like, not in terms of ones that he's approved of everything. What's going
3: to bring you back to listen
1: to Yeah, exactly. Like, am I going to have that sort of, is it, you know, is that that circle's going to get smaller and smaller, I'm guessing, which is kind of sad.
2: Play it. Um, for the most part I'm good. I'm kinda like you, Captain. I'm good. Some of the more emotional songs it's a bit raw, a bit close to the bone, but um I can listen to him. I'm pretty much ready to look forward to something new. But again, like you guys said, when's that gonna be? We don't know. So the frequency of the releases is on the one hand you can see that like they're trying the state's trying to generate money to pay this tax bill. Um so you would imagine there'll be more releases coming, but then you know who makes that decision? Who makes the calls of what goes out? And uh, yeah, it'd be interesting to see.
3: Oh, and the second part of that question was, what did we think of the BET Tributes and the upcoming thing that'll be in October, the big concerts?
2: I think the BET Tribute was the best out of all the tributes that came out. Yeah. I think it was the best one. Oh, by far. Yeah. By far. So I really enjoyed that. I don't know what to expect in October. I think that it's filled with, from what I can see, a lot of musicians that aren't really in the Prince circle or connected to Prince. So it's a lot of big names and stuff doing a tribute. So I don't, I don't know how yeah, I feel it about that. It looks
3: like they've got a bunch of big names to like, you know, attract people and sell the tickets, but yeah, yeah they're not necessarily like Prince related musicians yeah. and so I don't really understand how that's going to work, but we'll see. Yeah. Well, maybe. That's
2: that's how, that's how my thoughts on that.
1: I haven't – I don't think I've even watched the BET tribute yet. I remember that the first couple of weeks, there were heaps of tribute things on TV, and I couldn't watch them. Uh, I found, found them really hard to watch, so I haven't watched a lot of them. I think I did watch part of Janelle Manet's performance, and um, I just remember thinking – I just couldn't get into it just because – it is weird. I, I just I just find it really hard to watch those tribute performances. So I haven't watched the BET
0: one properly. MC? Uh, the BET tribute performance was pretty good. I think they put together a bill of artists that were clearly fans of his work, appreciators. Some of them had worked with him in one capacity or another. So that was really good. So overall, it was quite good. It's not a, a replica. It's nothing but a tribute. And I think they, they succeeded pretty well. Uh, I did like that they staggered the tributes to Prince throughout the show. That was, I thought, really well done, as opposed to just one, you know, massive. Yeah,
3: here's like 35 minutes. Yeah, of so that non-stop.
0: was. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, that was really good. But the one thing I want to say is Sheila. I felt every bit of emotion from her. She was obviously, well, I say obviously, I felt like she was doing it tough in the sense that her performance was flawless, but there were moments where she just, I felt anyway, like almost jump out of her skin. Like she really wanted to do him and his legacy justice. And I yeah. i got chills down my spine, even thinking about it now. She just really channeled something some energy
3: when she ran across and like did that slide yeah. And, yeah. Um, it doesn't even seem like that was a planned thing i did mm. see
1: that actually i did see sheila's one i remember that now that was good
0: because it looked it looked like she landed pretty hard well I, I just felt i just felt not only that but her band leading ability she just took she really took hold of the occasion and of that night and um I thought by, by far her performance was the best, and everyone. Else I also was the
2: best I also part. liked the song choices that she chose as well, because mm. they weren't exactly like the run of the mill mainstream stuff. You know, there was Housequake, there was Erotic City, there was America. You know, things like that. You know, not you know the Let's Go Crazies and uh, Raspberry Beret and all that sort of stuff. So I, I really liked how it's a little bit different. It's more sort of geared towards the fans a bit.
0: Yeah. And not only was her performance incredible, but I I thought it was, forget about being a Prince tribute, it was musically the best performance of the night. I don't know what that rubbish was that they were playing throughout that show, all that trap crap, basically. (laughs) But it's just, it's it's ridiculous. I find that actually particularly unmusical. Whatever sounds these new artists are making, especially from a trap background, it's just the less said about that the better and i thought she brought old school musicianship back on that stage where it should be and um and schooled a lot of people you know on uh, as a byproduct. product speaking
1: the of sheila let's put a plug in for her aussie tour she's coming down to australia later on oh
0: december. yeah december, december yeah uh,
3: like 10th or 11th i
1: think we should get oh, the dates
0: right <laughs> yeah. so there and what did you think Captain? The BET was by far
3: the best. I mean, there weren't that many that were even of note. Like, so many of them I kind of remember now because they were just like, oh, whatever. You know, nice try. But you've got to think, you know, what's the reason behind, you know, them doing that? Is it just because they know people are going to watch it because it's a Prince tribute? Or was there actually some, like, meaningful reason behind doing it?
2: I think Jennifer Hudson, like, she, like, really belted it out. She Mm. was good.
3: Oh, I don't mean on the BET one. I just mean other Ah, ones in general. Yeah, right. Yeah, most of the ones on the BET were really good. Mm. Yeah, Bilal went a bit over the top, but yeah, Yeah, he was.
2: Yeah, he took it on to another level. Uh, Erica Badu
0: and Kreslav, and yeah, it was good. I thought Maxwell after Sheila Maxwell was, I thought, the most touching, heartfelt performance performance out of everyone else.
3: did he do nothing compares?
0: He did do nothing compares to you, but he did, he changed some of the lyrics and he made them more personal and and directly addressed the fact that Prince passed and I thought it was brilliant. I mean
3: I have the total opposite reaction to that. I really didn't like the changes. They just sounded really cheesy and tacky to me.
0: Really? I had the opposite because I we've heard that song done by so many people and it's basically always the same. It's the song. They do the song, but he kind of personalized it. I, I, it worked for me. I, I've always wa- wanted to hear him sing a Prince song. I think his voice is—I might have said this years ago—he's got an incredibly unique but incredibly powerful voice in R&B, and just in general, he's a great singer. So I thought that was—I th- I think that, that worked actually. But anyway.
3: Well, congratulations, David Old, you You've taken up the first half of the show. With, with one, <laughs> no, we haven't
0: even—we haven't even answered the last part of his question, have we? Um. Oh,
3: the October tribute. Okay. Well, yeah, we sort of did. Yeah, you know, I don't know. I don't really want to say anything but until it happens, but yeah, I don't know.
0: I think there's a place for both. I think there's room for everyone. So there's there's an opportunity for Prince ex Band members and related uh, people to to be to also be a part of that performance or do their own thing. But I also think taking any any musician really Prince's influence is so wide that sometimes it's surprising to find out who was influenced by him, or who really appreciated his work, or who covered his work, or that sort of stuff. So, I actually personally don't have any issue with whether it's Lady Gaga or Bruno Mars or whoever whoever's on that stage if they want to attribute him. Fair enough, you know, give it a shot. You should. It's about paying respect to the guy. It doesn't. I think sometimes we get well, Prince fans can get caught up in. It has to be the 88 Love Sexy band or it's not a tribute. Like, you know. <laughs> I think that's 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 a bit much. And a lot of the times those musicians, you know, who knows the last time they played. So, who knows, you know. At least you're getting people that are that are in the in the music business now and it'll be interesting. You know, I'll watch it, but it's not like
3: Well, that's the thing. We don't even know if it's going to be televised or recorded. So, we might not even see a thing about it.
2: I think the family were in negotiations with some television networks about possibly broadcasting it, but I think either way they'll they'll probably record it and release it on DVD. You know, make a bit of money here and there. I don't know.
3: Well, yeah, the goal is making money, so mm.
2: so wait but and see it's what just like happens. A-
3: pay-per-view thing online or whatever they want to do
2: yeah there's there's multiple avenues that they could do to monetize it so just have to wait and see see where where it goes
3: okay so that's that question okay next question is from paul aiden any of you guys going to minneapolis in october would love to meet you guys if you're planning to see the farewell i'm not going i don't think any of us are no i'd love to go but
2: i'd love um, to go yeah 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 Uh, Not at the moment.
3: I don't know if I'd love to go. I'd love to go to, like, you know, these revolution shows that they're going to do. I don't know about this October thing. I wouldn't be spending, you know, five grand to go over just to see that.
0: I wouldn't go to
2: that. I'd go to the Paisley Park...
3: to Tours, tour. tour, yeah.
2: Yeah, that's that's what I'd go to. I think the October uh, concert watch. is okay for me if I just watch it
0: on TV. I'm okay with that. Yeah. To be totally honest, I probably won't watch it.
3: I'll watch it just for the curiosity.
0: Yeah, i definitely watch it just simply, as you said, Captain, just curious to see what they do. Like I said earlier, his reach is so wide. I think it's brilliant. Anything that puts Prince's music up there on a stage is fine by me, you know?
3: Okay, next question. Patricia Gay Shirt, will your interest in Prince wane? Well, probably.
1: The sad thing is, I, I think it probably will. Like, yeah. that's actually kind of sad to think about and, and say, but it, it probably will, just naturally. Life goes on and other interests will come in and,
0: yeah. Man, I'm starting to, get,
1: I'm starting to tear up now. <laughs> I remember when I was like... Uh, teenager early 20s i listen to miles davis all the time you know and now i hardly do like i'd be lucky to listen to two albums a year kind of thing but it's always still a part of me kind of thing and i so i imagine it'll be the same it'll it'll i imagine it'll taper off but it'll always be i'll always come back to it now and then
3: see this is where it takes you know like very smart planning from whoever's looking after the vault as to what to release, when to release it, how often to release things. You know, there has to be, like, a very well-thought-out plan that's going to appeal to, like, just general people in the world and then hardcore people who will buy everything. It's going to take a good plan. Because, yeah, your interest will wane, obviously.
2: I want to know, who makes those plans? Who... Is it the estate? Is it Londell? Is it the uh, the, uh, the DMI guy?
3: Well, yeah, didn't they announce, like, a couple of guys were going to be in charge of looking after it or something a while ago. I didn't really take much notice of it.
2: Yeah it was Lundell and the EMI guy, but yeah. They're more of uh, I look as, as kind of businessmen, like setting up deals and all that sort of stuff. I'm I'm talking like the creative side. Like I mean I've mentioned this in forums and stuff before about like possibly having like a creative team, possibly headed by someone like Questlove, someone that has more sort of intimate knowledge of the music that makes uh, it more the the creative decisions as to what gets released. And, you know, they're not slapping compilations together of, you know, different eras of unreleased stuff where it just kind of mishmashes and stuff. I don't know.
1: Yeah, oh, Although, w- that's the w- way Prince liked it, wasn't it? With Crystal Ball? Exactly, I was about to say, the worst thing <laughs> they could do is like, follow the blueprint
3: of Crystal Ball and just get a bunch of random <laughs> tracks with all different levels and just put them all together and go, oh, here, look, here's unreleased music. That'd be the worst thing they could possibly do, mm-hmm. really, for me.
2: Oh. I don't know if I mentioned this before, but someone could go in the vault and go, Oh, yeah, there's a tape there of a door. Well, he's released that on Son of the Time, so we don't need to release that, not knowing that's the 10 minute version that everyone <laughs> wants to hear.
3: Yeah. Hmm.
2: See, there's got to be people in there that's got to know the, the
0: ins and outs of the music, and, you know. Yeah, that's a good point.
3: Which, yeah, who knows if they have that or not.
0: It is an interesting question. W- will our interest wane? And I think. After hearing what you guys have all said, to Toe James' point about sadly it probably will. The flip side of that is Captain's answer, which is which I thought was actually you got you hit the nail on the head. It really depends on what happens with his mm. with the vault and with all those recordings. It's because take
3: a well yeah a well thought out plan to keep us to keep our interest. That's the point.
0: Ironically, it's possible that our interest, if it's done right, could even be greater than if he was still alive and, and, you know, putting out his own stuff. Because now...
3: Because we knew that he wasn't going to release Dream Factory. Exactly. But these guys might, or any other unreleased album you can think of.
1: There is a solution to this, and that is that you put the Peach and Black in charge of managing the vault.
3: <laughs> of course. It's <laughs> <laughs> the only way.
1: And, and I, I, mean that, <laughs> I, mean, I mean that jokingly, I mean that but jokingly. damn, I mean it seriously <laughs> as well. <laughs>
2: Hey, we were promised that anyway, weren't we? I wonder if that's
3: legal. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. Hey, we've still got recordings of Skype calls.
0: Let's see how legal they are. <laughs> oh, we do. We do. I think, yeah. Kieran, give us a call. <laughs> <laughs> the only thing with that is that it was a slightly different conversation than the one we're having today. But, yeah, I mean, look, I think it, kind of like ToeJam, half-jokingly, yeah, 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 we do a good job. But on a serious note, us and people like us, meaning people that, are, that have been dedicated for, for a number of years to reviewing his work and his craft, would probably do a reasonable job, I would suggest. And the other thing is that, that mm-hmm. I have to be careful how I word this. I My gut tells me that the, if the four of us had to sit down tonight and work on the first release and and we literally were sitting in front of the vault and all the material. I think because we are so into his music and had so much admiration and are so grateful for the work itself, I think we do that with respect. What I would hate to see, but if it happens, it happens, that's the commercial reality, is for his catalogue to be milked for every possible thing they can find, whether it's worthy to be released or not. And I think... It wouldn't be tragic, it wouldn't be sad, it wouldn't be any of that, because at the end of the day, what are we talking about? Pop art, right? Like, you know, we're talking about music. There there are more serious things going on in the world than this. So it wouldn't be a tragedy, but I just think it would be a shame if people went through the stuff and just tried to milk it for everything it's worth and and just released things that really have no business being released. Like, I don't want to hear muffled old demo recordings of songs just to have every single note. That he ever... How about would... a Pitbull remix? For
3: that
2: <laughs> or... <laughs> oh,
0: that, that actually, oh, now, now you're going to get me on Next a tangent. question. <laughs> <laughs> go, go, Captain, interrupt.
3: Next question from Andrew Milne. Did you go through a period of not listening? Yes, we pretty much said that. But also, did you use Prince music to help process his passing? That's a interesting question. I th- yeah, I did. I did. I listened to a lot of stuff from that day and, like, non-stop for a few weeks. And, I th- yeah, that helped. It, it helped somehow. I don't know how, but it did. So, yes.
1: Yeah. I think we've already seen, I said this in the last show, and I said it earlier, like, listening to Rave uh, driving to the coast was a cathartic experience for me. Yeah. No. Yeah,
0: it's,
2: said the same. it's
0: a no from me, as I said earlier. I, I haven't used his music. I have used music to help me cope with the reality of the fact that he's passed away, or he's passed on... I've, and I've used music to help me heal, um, and to get and to get through it. But it hasn't been Prince music, and it hasn't been related to him at all. I've been listening to a, a lot of other things. So yeah, player, did you?
2: Yeah, like it's helped me. But yeah, it's it's pretty similar to all the other questions thus far.
3: Okay, next question is from Marty Howes. Which one of you visited Paisley Park in 2000 for Prince's Celebration? That was me. Do you think the museum will offer much more? No. That's the short answer. I mean, the place was pretty much set up with everything on display anyway. Obviously not all the time, but, you know, there's... You know, all the records are on the wall. There's the murals and all the photos and all the album covers. And all that stuff is, like, already there. And it's always been there. For the celebration, they put out, like, the motorbikes and, you know, all the guitars and stuff. Which, they'll probably do that again. But, I, yeah, I don't know what what else they could do, really. I mean, the tours, you've done the tours. That's not any different now.
2: I'm sure they'll find a way. I mean, you look at Graceland. I mean, they've just... Like over time, they just expand it. They've got you know Heartbreak Hotel. They've got this hotel chain. They've got you know all this other stuff like built around it and stuff like they keep making it bigger and stuff. I'm sure they'll. I don't know what they'll do, but I'm sure they'll find something.
3: But the thing with Graceland is that it wasn't open before. It wasn't open when Elvis was alive. You couldn't walk around and look at all that stuff.
2: Mm, to home.
3: Yeah, and then afterwards they're like, oh, people will pay money to come and look at this. But with Paisley Park, it was al- always you know, mostly set up that way anyway, and everyone who went there at any point since it was built saw you know all the records on the wall and the paintings and the, all that stuff. So yeah, I don't think they're going to add much to it. So yeah, but yeah, like you said, they'll they'll think of something, I guess.
1: I'm glad it's going ahead. Actually, well, it, it seems to be that it's going ahead. I'm glad that is because um, you know I would like to one day like that would be I'd still have that on my list of things to do. Like if I ever go back to America. I'd probably do that. I'd go over yeah, and definitely. just check it out. Yeah. Because um, it was always on my bucket list. Yeah, so one of my bucket list things was I wanted to go see a Prince concert at Paisley Park. And so even though that can't happen now, at right. least, well, I can still go there and I can still um, get close to that. So
3: It's a cool place to go. Yeah. I'm with yeah. you on that.
1: We were talking uh, probably like a year or two ago. We were talking about going to Paisley Park as a group. We should, see, we should still do that. The road trip. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We should still do the road but this the, time the make belated like, you know, road trip. a tribute to Prince. We do the road trip. We can do that.
2: Mm. Yeah. We're going to have the crowdfunding to crowdfund the uh, documentary, the Peach and Black documentary of our trip to Paisley Park. That can still work.
3: The journey to Mecca.
2: <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> we're on a mission from Jehovah. That's
1: right.
3: There's <laughs> a question from Andrew Grant... The vault: Should the contents be released or not? So we talked about the other part of it, but should nothing come out? Should it be, you know, that's it, done?
1: Hmm. No, Who wants to I'm too this? greedy. Yeah, me too. <laughs> I think I'm too was, greedy wins.
3: <laughs> wasn't it? Was it Sheila that said she didn't want stuff to come out?
2: Nah, no, she does. She just doesn't want it too soon or something, uh, I think.
1: Yeah, no, I think, as we've been saying, I think it has to be done right. I don't want it to get to the point where a lot of the other artists like Prince who have passed on, where it really gets ridiculous. Uh, you know, some of the Miles Davis stuff they're releasing, now, it's like, come on. Hmm. Uh, so, yeah, it's got to be done right. And I just want to hear certain songs that I know exist, and I want to hear them in good quality. That's that's all I'll say.
0: What about hearing songs that we don't know the existence well, yeah, or the yeah. Well see I'm I'm sceptical that there's that there is as many
1: as people think. I think in terms of the you know, the classic period, the eighties and the nineties, like I think most of the stuff is already out there circulating. In terms of stuff that's, like, releasable, that stuff's already circulating. I mean, you might find there'll be something that no one's ever heard of, but it'll be like some, you know, something that he got two hours into and then just gave up on and never came back to, like some little jam or something. Like, there's got to be hours and hours of that stuff. But in terms of completed songs, I think most of the good stuff is sort of already circulating, and I just want to hear a lot of that in good, pristine quality.
3: Yeah, I said that ages ago, I reckon, yeah, you know, more than half of the stuff in the vault It's just like, oh, here's a cool 30-second guitar riff.
1: Yeah, I'll come back yeah. to that one day. And yeah,
3: just... and then you don't, and yeah. It's
1: a storage <laughs> <tells> house of ideas.
3: <laughs> yeah, but as for finished songs, you know, a lot of stuff is circulating, but then you can also look at it that there's barely nothing leaked out of Paisley Park since he left Warner Brothers. Yeah. So there's still a good 20 years of stuff that we haven't heard from 96
1: to 2016.
3: That's true. So that that could still be a substantial amount of either completed songs or 20-second guitar riffs, you don't know. Yeah.
2: That's the thing, we don't know what's in there. It's a hard question to answer because Mm. we know what's in there and we say, yeah, like, we want to see the, the day, but it could be anything in there, really. I mean, he's hinted that, 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 that there was more than one vault. So, to me, I want to know what the purpose of... If that's true, what the purpose of each is. Is there one with completed stuff and another with, like you said, just riffs and ideas, a storage house of ideas? Is it, like, one is full of riffs and ideas and completed songs and the others like, you know, all the uh, live concerts and... And you know, studio stuff,
3: stuff yeah. ...filmed, you
2: know, oh. in another, like... We don't I mean, how good
1: no, would it have like proper release of, a, of, a, of each of the concerts of each of the tours?
0: Like one yeah. main show of each tour, just like, give me one act one yeah. show soundboard quality. Well, <laughs> that's, that's all we well, need. You guys, you guys are, have now opened this can of worms, which is <laughs> fantastic because that's the thing that I'm most excited about. I'm not as excited about hearing new music or or better versions that are currently circulating or anything like that. I want the video as. You guys just all said, I want to, to see things either that we've already seen, but in, you know, retouched, remastered, great quality of audio and sound, audio and visual. 4K. Four, four 4K, <laughs> that's right, 3D. Or things that we haven't seen. In, There's got to be literally hundreds upon hundreds.
3: Thousands of hours.
0: Possibly thousands of hours of pro-shot footage. And that is the most exciting because seeing Prince live, it's akin to a religious experience. (laughs) And it's also akin, it's second to none. It's a second to none experience. So seeing some of that would be fantastic. I'm most excited by that.
2: And seeing some guy from Australia hold up a peach and black shirt in the audience. (laughs) That's in the vault
0: somewhere. (laughs) That is in the vault somewhere. In the Montreux 2013 version. Think
3: about that. You are in the vault. (laughs) You are in there right now.
0: Technically, Think yeah. about that. That is that is crazy. I want I want I want access. God done it! <laughs> you have rights. You have rights. I have rights. <laughs> well, I, don't, I shouldn't be in the vault? You guys got to.
1: If you read what? the fine print, you'll be like, you've given up your right to your image and everything.
0: <laughs> yeah. Once I entered the uh, auditorium, yeah. Now what <laughs> we should do is I'll stay in Sydney, and the three of you can go on the trip to Mecca to Paisley Park to get me out of the vault. <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, that sounds like a plan that's a plan <laughs>
3: anyway back to this, this question i go i'll go back to some interview he did or was it was at the view or arsenio or something and they asked him about the music in the vault and he's like well not in my lifetime it'll be released but maybe when i'm gone which means he you know he anticipated that's what's gonna happen still no will saying do this or do that Mm. but according to that comment he's like well you know obviously this is going to happen
0: that could have been that one comment that you just highlighted captain could Mm. have been incredibly revealing like if he's saying something like that maybe he was Mm. just you know i'm not going to be here i'm sure someone will generally do the right thing and put out what they think people want to see what what do i care kind of thing maybe that was his view what we'll never know the other part of that comment
3: is also to me he's basically saying I'm not here, what What will I care? It's not going to affect me. That's
2: how I read it, yeah.
3: People can do whatever they want. I'm not going to be here, I don't care. That's how I see that comment. And of course, he yeah. knows people are going to try and make money off it when he's gone, because that's been his entire life, is being pissed off at people trying to make money off his work. Of course, they're going to do it when he's not here. So yeah, that's that.
0: <laughs> I will say, just on this question, Jam said something about, you know, there's, there'll, there'll be things that, he might have spent a couple of hours on and then never finished and put away. Thinking about everything that you guys have just said, I kind of have come up with a bit of a view from my, my perspective of what I think shouldn't happen in addition to every other comment that we've made so far. And what I think definitely should not happen under any circumstance is for anything that comes out should be untouched. That's my really strong view. Anything that is released should be released as it was mm. up unto April 21st, 2016, no one should tinker with it, no one should add parts, no one should overdub, no one should produce, no one should play over the top, no one should complete it, and certainly no one, in my opinion, should be using unreleased work and then remixing it. If you're going to remix officially released stuff, that's a different story. But taking stuff that hasn't been mixed, mastered, released properly, and then playing around with that, I think is an issue. issue. Bl- Blasphemy. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's inevitable, that, though. It is inevitable, and it's it is inevitable. Yeah, there'll be the Will I Am. Yeah, oh, you know,
3: don't even mention it. No, un-
0: no. Uh, the, the, I mean, can you imagine taking an unreleased track? Then getting and Will yeah, I Am Will to I produce AM. it, add his own vocals on it and release it as like the exclusive, like the exclusive world, premiere world premiere single of, of the of the latest posthum- of the of the first posthumously released Prince album. I think that would be terrible and terrible because for obvious reasons. I mean it just it doesn't even need to be explained, right? I mean, that's just a terrible yeah, that, idea.
3: That's just horrible.
2: <laughs> well, even, there's even a indication of that. I think, wasn't it during the rave era, Clive Davis had some sort of meeting with Prince and they were, like, someone brought up Puffy or someone doing a remix and, like, Prince just, like, got up and walked out?
3: Yeah.
2: <laughs> so, like, I mean, that, that's,
3: that I mean, he feels the
2: same way. Yeah.
3: That
2: should so, not happen. Okay, here's a, here's a question for you guys. What do you feel about people that are connected to him that have put up their hand wanting to produce him, like Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis or uh, Wendy and Lisa? Well,
3: see, no. It depends what you mean by produce. I My mean, if, no. if all you're saying is here's all the master tapes for this track, we're gonna mix it and we're gonna release it. That's fine. But yeah, when it comes to adding. Oh, no, I just need a couple more keyboard parts here. No, don't do that. But, you know, they're going to mix it, you know, to their style, obviously, because that's
0: that's what producers do. But you don't even need, I mean, Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis, why do they even need to be in the picture? People have been mixing Prince's music for years, and they're people with names that many of us don't even know. Just get those guys in there to mix any unreleased stuff. You don't need big-shot, big name producers to mix yeah, a track. Yeah, that's true. You could always get Femi back. Yeah, get Femi, get Michael Coppelman, get all those guys and all those in- engineers. Get people that actually worked with him who will have some idea... Based on actually years of yeah. experience working with the and guy, Like, yeah, of, Prince would have actually he would have
3: done he would have done this. Yeah, actually he did this on a very a track this, so, very similar to this.
0: There you go. So let's use the same effect, the same yeah. technique, the same mix, the same levels, the same adjustments. Yeah. From a musician standpoint, from I mean I, I don't know.
3: Yeah, actually forget what I said about Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis unless they're remixing like corporate world.
1: <laughs> that we don't need to be
0: involved.
1: The first release from the Paisley Park Estates is Corporate World <laughs> album.
2: <laughs> actually, I wouldn't actually mind that. I heard that in the vault, there's an unreleased Time album. If Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis took that and you know made it yep. their own, that'd be cool.
3: Are you talking about the one from 97? Uh, I don't know. I was just reading about that the other day. Right. Because Corporate World's from like... 89 or 90 but yeah there's supposed to be another one which has barely been mentioned and no one hardly talks about it but it has been mentioned by morris and a few people morris day yeah 97 unreleased album and i'm like what
1: was prince involved though i think so yeah okay corporate world kind of evolved into pandemonium yeah like sort of half the tracks are from pandemonium
0: actually i have to add a word into this conversation and the word is or song title i should say the song title is Wally. Now, before everyone loses their minds, <laughs> we all know that Wally was a song that Prince recorded and then had the tapes erased too. But rumor has it that he later on re recorded. Now, it's not the original, but he re recorded a version of Wally that actually is in one of those vaults. If that's true, the assumption I'm making is we all want to hear it, right? no. Nah. Okay, Player says no.
2: Well, because um, according to Susan Rogers, the actual original Wally that he he erased was mind-blowing, and then the subsequent one was just like a watered-down version, kind of. I don't know if I want to hear that.
0: Ah, okay, Uh, okay.
2: It's not like a like-for-like, yeah.
3: Well, since we'll never hear the original, I wouldn't mind hearing what does exist. But it's it's something like, You know, Old Friends for Sale, that's supposedly gone through about five different versions until it was released, and each one was, like, less revealing and less emotional than the original. But still, the one that was put out is, since I don't really listen to lyrics that closely, didn't make much difference to me. (laughs) So it was fine.
0: Doesn't matter. The orchestral parts are brilliant anyway, so...
3: Next question. Okay, from Barbara, who I think I met her husband. I think she's from Newcastle. I met her in April. The VMAs were just on, and as far as I could see, and everyone else, zero mention of Prince at all. Zero mention of Bowie at all, which is bizarre anyway. But Barbara says, what would each of you consider to be your idea of a great tribute to Prince? I'd just say the BET one.
2: Does she mean what's already happened or what we'd like to Um, see?
3: Oh, it's probably what would each of you consider to be your idea of a great... If you could imagine anything, what would be the best thing? And I'd say the BET, for me, the BET one came pretty close to as good as it was going to get.
2: Okay, that's far I agree with you, BET. If I was to say I want to see something, I would imagine next Grammy Awards in February 2017. I would like to see the Revolution do something that's televised. I mean, they're doing something on First Avenue, but... yeah. Yeah, I like to see something televised, and I think the Grammy Awards would be the
0: ideal place for that. Yeah, tributes are always going to be controversial. It is, yeah.
3: If you could imagine, you know, whatever you wanted to have, mm. what would it be?
0: The Revolution at First Avenue is probably as, as far as nostalgia is mm. concerned, probably the the perfect tribute you can have in the perfect venue. I think that's the tribute. Uh, that's the best tribute you can have. He's most, dare I say iconic band playing his most iconic songs in the most iconic venue you could think of uh, in his hometown i mean there's no better tribute than that but from a more lateral point of view i think the best tribute is what we've kind of talked about this already but treating the vault with respect and Mm. when you release montrose 2013 for example on blu-ray or coachella (laughs) on blu-ray or or shows from individual tours over the years or, or greatest life performances or whatever. It is to take care with every aspect. Get people who really know the, the really man and the work to write great liner notes, use fantastic images, and really take a lot of care in the packaging and and the marketing and the delivery of the product that they put out. You know, maybe put some special features, behind the scenes type stuff. Not going over the top. But that's the best tribute. The best tribute is putting out product for everyone to enjoy. Well, forever really. But certainly over the next few years. And building on his legacy. So that's that. Toe jam. I initially thought of like a concert
1: at First Avenue. I was thinking just something along the night of the lines of nothing planned, just anyone like any of the sort of band members just going there and just jamming. Like so you have a concert with, like, Michael Bland on drums and Levi on bass and, uh, I don't know, Donna on guitar or something, just like just some random combination of ex-band members just getting all together in a room and just jamming out and having that as a concert. I think that would be interesting. I don't know. Christopher Snowden, are you going to review the
3: bootlegs now? I'll answer that by saying no, no.
1: I'm keen if you guys are keen.
3: <laughs> I'll say that. It all depends on what will be released officially, because then technically they won't be bootlegs anymore. So, it's a bit hard to answer that question, isn't it? We'll just have to wait and see.
0: Yeah, I think he was get I think he was getting at does the the fact that Prince has passed away make any difference to you guys now? And I certainly I'm not going to change to start reviewing unreleased bootleg material just because of that. That that would seem disrespectful, so I wouldn't be interested in doing that.
1: Well, I I get that. I get that. I just, I'm keen. I'm keen. I'll just
0: say that. But yeah, to Captain's point, if it's released officially, it's not a bootleg anymore so we can talk about it. That's
3: it. Well, it's all up to the estate then. Start releasing things so we can review them. (laughs) Next question. Dave Watson asks, I'd be interested to hear how you guys feel when you remember the time you met Prince and hung out with him, that is a great episode, but wondered if your take on the experience is different these days. Wow. Mm, is the,
0: is thought it about different
3: that. now? Not really, because the memory is still the same. Uh, slightly faded, because it's years ago now, and my memory's not great. But no, it, it hasn't changed. The only sort of thought that both me and MC have had since then is really... What was the point of it all? Because we went there under, I I don't want to say false pretenses, but we went there with a whole different view of what (laughs) the conversation was going to be about. And it ended up not being about any of those things that were previously talked about. And it was totally different. So that was the only real thing that changed after that.
0: It ended up, you're right, Captain, it ended up being... Not even a conversation. It was just like hanging out for a couple of hours.
3: Mm, which was great.
0: Which was great, but we didn't really cover, uh, let's just say, business. But anyway, yeah, uh, that's another story. I haven't thought about that. I didn't know that question was coming. I don't know. I don't think it... The experience was what it was, and it was awesome. Yeah.
3: The fact he's uh, not here now doesn't change if it, what happened then.
0: It doesn't change. It was cool all. then. It's, uh, it was um, Talking
3: about it now, it was still a cool thing.
0: Yeah, it's still cool. I would say... I'm probably more consciously grateful for the experience now because, you know, for obvious reasons, it's that chapter's closed, you know. So from that perspective, I feel incredibly blessed and lucky, as I'm sure Captain does as well, for having been there. Uh, It's such a small moment in time, but, you know, it's something I'll, I'll never forget. So it's more like a gratefulness, you know. It's just heightened now. It's like, oh, shit, that actually happened like we were actually and the cool thing about not just it being one of us is it's also a shared experience which makes it doubly as cool because you can talk to someone about it i think if it would have been just one person it would have been a very very different but yeah uh fantastic anyone who doesn't know about that can listen to that episode we should feature that episode actually because we we have been getting queries about people saying what are you talking about i haven't heard this this show and So it's possible that many of our listeners don't even know that we um, met Prince uh, at his request, at his invitation. He invited Peach and Black out there. And um, Anyway, that's all folklore now, but maybe not as well known as as what we initially thought. That
3: brings me to the next question or two. Solange Jessica asked, I guess Jessica Solange asked, when was the Adore extended version mentioned? And it was then, in October 2010 in New York.
0: Straight from the horse's mouth, as they say. Prince mentioned it. He rambled on it for a few mi- about it for a few minutes, and, and I, my memory is really faded on this. But I, I'm not sure whether he said I could play it for you, or you'll have to come hear it, or something like that.
3: No, that I, was I, I don't know. Captain, that was the um. Fill the blanks. That was the unreleased album with Tal and Chris Johnson that he said he had in the car.
0: <laughs> I will I will just quickly say that the facial expression on both my face and captain's face from what I can remember was like, just like complete, um, hmm. I, I think we were both speechless a number of times during that night, but that was one of those moments where like, you don't know how to react. Like the guy so, is telling you this, it's like a few centimeters away. He's telling you, ah, oh, by the way, I've got a 20 minute, I don't know. Like, I think both of us probably thought, Holy cow. If fans knew about this, they'd lose their mind, right? <laughs> so that'd be cool to hear.
3: Next question is from Austin Ernst. What are each of you guys' favourite Prince eras? Which is always a good one. And uh, and you can break it down into so many different answers, but if I'm going on live era, it's going to be 93, or oh, even 92 to 96, early 96 the NPG as, you know, the original NPG. But studio, it's going to have to be the classic, you know, 80 through to 88. The, you can't even pin that down to a specific year. It's just that whole run was just insane. But yeah, live band, live era. Yeah, 93, 94, 95. Oh, amazing. Jam player, can you hear me?
2: Uh, live would be, and
0: uh, would be Love Sexy for sure.
3: Oh, yeah. Yeah. 88.
0: Do you say live and studio both love sexy? That those That's your favourite era regardless? Mm, yeah.
2: Because I think he started, like, a concept in the studio and he took it out on tour and made it, like, fully realised kind of thing. Like, you know, it was just, like, a concept that he sort of not only kept it on the record and just performed it, he actually, like, took it and ran with it kind of thing.
3: It was, yeah. It was fully realised.
0: I'm, I'm surprised you said that. I'm surprised you said that, player. I always took you for... Um... Why? I thought you were going to answer that question by saying rave was your favorite era. <laughs> I don't know. I was expecting more of a hilarious no, response no. than that. You know, all the, all the, all the oh, hip hop R and B artists uh-huh. guesting on, on rave the album and that whole promotional machine. I don't know.
3: Toe jam answer this question.
0: It's really hard to, it's either between like say
1: 81 to, or maybe yeah, 81 to 83, just prior to purple rain. Like that, Controversy '99, yeah. mm. and then some of the early Purple Rain stuff, or probably Love, Sexy. I think Love, Sexy era. Yeah, play, play a set of Love, Sexy. I mean, my my favorite album is always either '99 or, or Love, Sexy. I, I, I can never, I can never split them. Lives a bit different. I prefer the Love, Sexy band or the MPG to the Revolution if I wanted to see a live concert. But there's something about that early era, that '81, '82, '83. Like to me, that that's I, I've said this heaps of times on the show. Like to me, that's That is Prince. Yeah. That's how I envisioned Prince in that era. And then everything else is always like Prince doing something different, you know? Yeah.
0: MC, what do you think? My favorite live era would be between 87, 88 and 93, 96, which may be exactly the same as what captain said. You can't beat side of the times, love sexy bands live, and you just can't beat kick ass MPG in the mid nineties. They just tore the house down. Those are probably the top two. But the, I'm talking purely musical musicianship.
3: Don't you mention musicology and Renato Neto.
0: <laughs> but what I will say is my, I, I guess my favorite band that I ever saw that I actually, because I, I didn't see the Love Sexy, Son of the Times bands, and nor have I seen the MPG. So out of any bands that I have seen, out of any era that I was a part of in some way, The musicology band, but it's the musicology band before musicology, which would be (laughs) – it's actually not the musicology band. It's the One Night Alone band. I think as far as what I experienced from a live point of view, that's my favorite era, the One Night Alone band. And from an album perspective – Uh without Rad? uh, Rad is cool, but she (laughs) – probably without Rad because she wasn't there for long enough.
3: I really wish I saw those 2003 shows with three keyboard players on stage – you know, what? just straight back to Did Minneapolis sound.
1: Rad was in there. Australia, wasn't she?
3: Yeah, and no, I wasn't.
0: Yeah. What? Uh, that's right. You didn't...
3: I was in Korea or somewhere in 2003. Hold on, you didn't
0: see the 2003 tour? No. How, could, how do I know, know this? Maybe I, I saw
3: forgot. 2002. I saw 2004.
0: Oh, wow. So, you were in that basement? No. Nope. I'm sure we've spoken about it. I can't believe I forgot about
3: it. I saw One Night Alone in Japan. I saw two musicology shows in America, but I didn't see the Australian 2003 shows.
1: Wow. Chance was Chance came to Australia, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Or did Chance, Chance... Rad no, was yeah, as well. Yeah, okay.
3: yeah,
2: he did. Yeah.
3: Yeah, you had Chance, you had Rad, you had was Morris on keys there? Renato. I... No, Renato. Renato. Yeah.
1: Renato. Yeah. Renato. You had Greg Boyer. Three keys. That would have been cool. It yeah.
0: you
3: know, it's total it. Minneapolis it's sound, it's just wall to wall keyboards would have been so good.
0: So hold on, but just for my own curiosity, player and toe jam, you guys saw the two thousand three shows.
1: Yes. I saw two thousand and four shows.
0: No, I was in um I was in England in 2003. Mm. Oh wow, well, I totally forgot. This. So just play a night and player, Were you at the basement?
2: Only the first night where he didn't perform. Oh. Not the after show.
0: We've co- I'm sure we covered this in like January 2009 when we all first started talking to each <laughs> other. But I totally forgot. Okay, sorry. Yeah. And my album, my favorite album period is um. This isn't really even an era, like Captain said, 80 to 88. But I'd I'd say 84 to 88. 84 to 88 is is just unmatched. I think in pop music, no one's had a, a period like that. It's, yeah. It was like four different artists producing four completely different pieces of work. And I'm talking about Purple Rain, Round the World in the Day, Parade, and Sign of the Times. Uh, sorry. and um, Love Sexy. Love Sexy. That's like five different artists producing five completely.
3: All different from the last. Yeah,
0: That is unmatched, unparalleled. It will never happen again. And that's why we, he's Prince, that's, that's why we love his music so much. It's it's just ridiculous. It's not normal. Amazing. Next
3: question from David Heron: What Prince tour that you did not attend would, if you could, would you go back in time to see if given the opportunity? Love Sexy. yeah.
2: Oh, uh, the Triple Triple Threat yeah. tour, 1999. Yeah, the time Vanity 6 and Prince. So, so let's let's try. It. Let's, try to it.
0: To let's make it difficult. Make it difficult. Let's yeah. ev- everyone choose one. Everyone choose the one. Player love sexy.
2: <laughs> yeah, love think sexy I either,
0: is the one. I think I can't answer
1: this before. I think tossing up between the two eras. I think live better is the love sexy era, whereas I think just era in general, I'd go with the early eighties. But I think if we're going live, then you know, I'd love to see the love sexy show and a love sexy up show with like Eric Leeds and Sheila E. Uh, Levi, On uh Cat yes. like Cat. Cat was hot back then as well. Let's not forget that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I, I think like um, I think a Love Sexy After Show that would be the, the show I would go to see. Like coming like Camden Palace or something. That would be the
0: show. It'd be yeah, or like small club. You imagine being at the small club show.
3: Mm.
1: Oh wow,
0: who turned off the lights?
3: This is a hard question. It's so hard to just nail down one.
0: Come on, Captain. You know you can do it.
3: Well, yes, Love Sexy would be a great tour, but also. I think one a late in the tour, Purple Rain tour, just for the huge spectacle that it would have been, you know, that was the biggest he ever was, like in pop music, in general, in the world. That would just have been an amazing, I reckon the last week of the Purple Rain tour, to go to one of those shows would have just been insane. But then also, you know, Gold Experience, Uh, I wish I could have seen a Gold Experience tour. But One. uh, Yeah, one. Which one? Okay, go, Purple Rain
0: purple rain Captain yep. I wouldn't have taken that, not I wouldn't would not have expected that from you,
3: but just i I just <laughs> talked myself into it right now, just for the spectacle of it, just you know that was as big as he got. He was never as huge as that. that would have been insane, number one album, number one movie, number one tour, just insane.
0: it kind of always the same size go on m c you'll go uh this is easy for me, and this might shock some of you, but for me that the one tour that I never saw that. That is head and shoulders above the rest that I want would want to see is the Sign of the Times 1987 tour. Any one of those live shows from Sign of the Times tour would have been the shit. Like the, the thing to experience. And I say that because, first of all, Peach and Black to start with. The whole color scheme, I loved it. Um, the stage setup, the artistry on stage, and it was the transition between the expanded revolution and the love sexy band and i reckon like to me as good as all those bands were i feel like the expanded revolution was almost too much and a bit like a review show the love sexy band was fantastic but the show was so choreographed that it was almost like don't put a note wrong whereas sign of the times band was the perfect mix of both for me and i would have loved to have seen those those guys play live Uh, and he was playing filthy guitar there too so that would have been great
3: Okay, next question is, from Unmerciful1, is Black Motherfuckers in the House the funniest Prince song of all time?
0: Uh... No, that goes to the wedding (laughs) feast. That goes to
1: wedding feast, huh? (laughs) Hang on, on. are we saying intentionally funny or unintentionally funny? (laughs) Exactly. Uh, It's a very skippable track for me.
3: (laughs) For me, it's one of the funniest.
1: It's a very skippable track for me. What? No. <laughs> it's funny, though. I'll give you that. Right. It is funny.
3: It. It's, it's, it's,
2: it's got great horns in it. I'm surprised you do not love it for that.
3: That whole album has amazing horns. We haven't reviewed that. What yeah, are we yeah, doing?
0: Yeah, yeah. Mm. we haven't reviewed that. It's true.
3: Okay, that's that's coming up <laughs> eventually. Oh, is it the funniest? wedding? F- yeah, Wedding Feast is unintentionally funny. <laughs> But does he say song or track? He says song. Because if you're saying track, then you got, then it's got to be mashed potato girl, right? <laughs> track, not That's song. Mashed
1: potato girl's not a track. You can't count. That's just a segue.
3: Oh, it's something. Mm. I don't know if it's the funniest. It's one of the funniest for sure.
0: Well, what about every day? Every day's a winding road. Oh shit! From tojo's favorite <laughs> album. <laughs> don't knock
1: that album. That's not a bad version. I used to hate that version. The more I listen to it, I think it's not that bad.
3: Okay. okay, next question from Batman89. Saw him in April as well. Since the Warner Brothers war started in 93 and the subsequent split, have we, the fans, received more or less music as otherwise would likely have been made available via the traditional formula of an album a year with accompanying singles, remixes, videos, and... Yeah, uh, yeah. That's that was the big problem at the time he was he wanted to release all this stuff and warner brothers said no you can't oversaturate the market and then he got out of warner brothers put out a bunch of music and then it slowed down instantly he put out emancipation and crystal ball and everyone's like oh wow look at all this music and then it was back to pretty much an album a year after that
0: that's true but i think we're underestimating the amount of material that's in the short term in the first three or four years after The Warner Brothers split, he put down probably more music than at any other time in his career. So you're talking 96, 97, 98, 99, right? That's four years. He releases one, two, three, four, five CDs worth or five discs worth of new music. And then Crystal Ball, another three CDs of you know, remixed, rearranged, and bootleg material. So as far as releasing material to your fans, that's like eight or nine albums worth of music in what three or four years. That's a lot of material,
2: and and more if you count Shaka Khan's "Come to My House" and Larry Graham,
0: GCS. 2000. There you go. There you go. That's even more.
1: And the truth.
0: So that's the truth. it's actually a yeah. And so I, include, Sutra, so yeah, yeah. I included all that. Yeah, and then Karma. <laughs> how can we forget Kama Sutra? <laughs> <laughs>
3: but but I think it was a a. a f- not a far cry, but it was not really the deluge of music we thought would come once he was out of Warner Brothers.
2: No, but I think, you know what happened? You know what, what it is? It's the crystal ball fiasco where he had this idea of releasing all this music, but then he, he realized he had to do, not only making the music, but he had to do all the other business part himself. Yeah, like
3: he had to, he had to actually do it. something.
2: Yeah, and, and actually printing the CDs and, you know, releasing yeah. it. And so, like, you know, there was extra duties that he took up, which I don't think he accounted for. Mm. So, you know, that sort of slowed him down in, in some regards. So, not only uh-huh. he had to deal with the creative st- stuff, it's the business side as well. Whereas with Warner Brothers, he would just create it, give it to them, and they handle all And they all sort
3: that.
1: it out, he moves yeah, on. <laughs>
2: and he, yeah, and he keeps creating. But, you know, that, that I think that process slowed him down in those post-Warner Brother years. Mm.
1: I think, uh, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if um, Prince kind of saw what was coming, perhaps, in that it was becoming harder and harder for major artists to release an album a year. And, um, maybe the big studios were sort of getting into this direction of, which is what they've been doing since is sort of, you know, the big major artists release an album every three years kind of thing on average. And I think maybe Prince thought that there's no way I'm going down that track. (laughs) Um, I don't know. I, I I kind of feel like the, the diamonds and pearls and the symbol thing just kind of, I think it took a lot out of him in terms of this whole idea of, the album and the tour and everything that goes with it, and all I think he promotion, just get, yeah. yeah all the promotion. I think he just wanted to get back to a space where he could just record something for, for fun and release it, you know. And so whether or not we got more or less, I mean it's probably not that different. We he's always been prolific, and he may have slowed down a little bit in these final years, but that's kind of inevi- inevitable. So I don't have any complaints that we didn't get what we maybe originally thought or something. So.
3: Yeah. Okay, after everyone says all those things, yeah, I'm with Toe Jam. It's probably ended up roughly about the same amount.
1: In fact, if anything, it's probably more in the later period. I mean, like he released so many triple discs and like we we're saying two thousand and two he puts out Expectation and C Note and One Night Alone and the live album. That was a massive year for releases. Yeah, that that period from like ninety seven to two thousand two, there's a crap load of material that came out.
3: And then it sort of really slowed down again. <laughs>
1: Yeah, but I 2003, think
3: 2003, not much at all. 2005, I think absolutely yeah. nothing. I think
1: from then on, it's just a case of him getting a little bit older and just slowing down naturally. Yeah.
3: So Well, then, then yeah, from early 2000s, it started moving to, you know, the the MPG Music Club and digital. You know, it's yeah. just a song just for fun. Yeah. Why should I do that when I can do this? Oh,
1: Let's not forget. I mean, I mean 2000, 2001, we're also getting Chocolate Invasion, Slaughterhouse. Yeah. Um, there's just so much from that period. And then you've got like a whole other discs worth of of one-off tracks from that same sort of era. Like, it's
0: ridiculous. Yeah, it is. It's crazy. You guys actually got me thinking about a One Night Alone era again. And we were talking about pro shot releases earlier. How amazing would it be to get really high-quality Pro shot footage from One Night Alone. I don't know if I'm alone on this, but pardon the punt, But, um, it would be
3: good. Aren't, you happy, love, Aren't <laughs> you
0: happy with your live with your lab? I would love to see
1: Aren't you happy with your live with your lab?
3: He said pro shot DVD, didn't he? <laughs> Not filmed by you know a hairdresser in the audience, you know. Oh, <laughs> <good>. <laughs> oh
0: that is
1: yeah. We, let, we, let's I talk still about it. There's, there's a moment in that DVD where prince calls out for eric to do a solo and they do a wide shot (laughs) eric doesn't even have the sax in his mouth and trump and um uh what's his name boya is like doing this trombone slide i'm like Boya's not even playing (laughs) (laughs) yeah
0: that's classic isn't it
3: (laughs) okay next question from robert findlay what's your favorite prince scream now i uh i'll go first just because why not the one at the end of Endorphin Machine is always oh, going to be a classic. Yeah,
2: that's, yeah, that's what I was going to say. <laughs> I
3: was going
2: to say that too. You
0: beat everyone to it.
3: But then the other one that pops into my head just for no particular reason is the Beautiful one ones. at the start of Right the Wrong. It's not a great scream, but I've just got that song <laughs> in my head now.
1: <laughs> no, i got a better one. i got, I got one that cuts to the heart, and that is um, Something in the Water. Some... Halfway through that song, he uh, starts yeah. off with this little, uh, and then it just belts it out.
3: Oh, yeah, yeah. It's got all the reverb that, on it. Yeah, yeah. I know the, the one. Reverb. That's the part yeah. where
1: he that fell off. It starts the scene from nothing. It just starts music. out of nowhere and just builds. And then just then he's next thing you know, he's wailing his guts out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the
0: endorphin machine is here. Yeah, endorphin machine
3: is hit. all the different versions. <laughs> Opus Signium, what is your favorite Prince guitar solo?
0: Oh, have you got all night?
3: <laughs>
0: yeah, I'm just yeah, going to throw I'm it out.
1: Trying. I I hate you. I think that's the first one that came to my mind, so I'm going to say that one. What? So I that's hate
3: studio. you, Is there solid. even guitar in that song.
0: Yes. I, I, I are, are you kidding that. me, Captain? It? <laughs> I haven't listened to that song for a long short,
2: time.
3: Though. It's very
1: short. Uh, it's just the first one that came to my head. So. Favorite. Here's one. Here's an one. underrated one. Here's one so that that's people studio. forget you're about. you're
0: talking studio though. Oh, is not that what it? I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: One that's um one that's often forgotten. Planet Earth, the guitar solo on that solo. I mean, that one is really good. Oh right, to that is years.
2: definitely y- forgotten. yeah you're right yeah that's definitely <laughs> forgotten. <laughs>
0: well, it's a good solo. <laughs> I thought you guys right? were going to agree with them about the solo, but okay.
3: <laughs> well, you know you can't go past the the obvious Purple Rain. I mean, it's the the signature guitar solo for him. Yeah. You know you can you know every single note of it through all the times we've heard it. It's very memorable. That's probably just because we've heard it a million times as well. But is it
2: the oh, best? It's... I don't know. It's pretty good. I like the one he does on Scandalous Sex Suite. Oh, yeah. But that one, I really like that one. Like the In... third part of it, yeah.
3: Second or the third part is just, yeah, big guitar solo, yeah. The, the Rapture or whatever it is. Mm. The it is, that the is Rapture. good. Yeah. yeah. That one I really like. Live lovely really Love
0: hard to choose one. Ones.
3: You know what's a good guitar solo? Interactive, if you can think of that.
2: It is, yeah. yeah. Mm.
3: There's so many. There's, you know... it starts again, with big bend. This is that's an all-night... All yeah, yeah, it does. <laughs> that's a that's an all-night question. You just keep going through guitar solos. Yeah.
0: I haven't come up with one, but I would probably say I Could Never Take the Place of Your Man. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Probably I Could Never Take the Place of Your Man followed by gold or something. I don't know.
3: Gold's good, too. Little Red Corvette. Oh, there's so many. So many.
0: Shush. Shush. Oh, oh I yeah. think you might have got the got to the heart of it.
3: Anyway, next one from Gregory Davis says, I don't have any questions, but I will say that I've looked forward to your podcast and I don't want you guys to stop. Okay, we won't stop. We'll keep going just for you. (laughs) Yay. Yay, Greg.
0: I've got a question for Greg. Why do you like listening to the podcast so much, Greg? (laughs)
2: Exactly. It's the the Aussie accent. That's what it is.
0: (laughs) (laughs) You can write us. You You can answer our question to you. On our Facebook page, if you like. That'd be cool.
3: Okay, next one is from Dial Square. Oh, Shane Lust. I know that guy. For each of you, he says what's your top three, but let's just go for one. What is your top officially released non-album track? Could be from a CD or download or whatever. Non-album track.
0: Ooh. Ooh. Okay, I've got mine, but you guys... Does that,
3: mean like, does that mean like internet releases? Yeah, yeah, anything.
1: Oh, mine's...
3: Mm. Yeah, I I, I, I'll I just guess MC is going to say when I lay my hands on you.
1: Isn't that on Chocolate Invasion or Slaughterhouse?
3: Oh, yeah, it
0: is. Does yeah, that count? it is. Does that no, count I, as an album release? I, I'm yeah. laughing because you were probably thinking, what did MC Rob S, sorry, <laughs> <laughs> here at Montreux? What, what could it have been? That was one but of them. No, yeah. But you're very close because my, my choice is actually in a large room with no light. Ooh. 2009 uh, studio version, one off track. Yeah. It was put up online days before the 2009 Montreux shows, and that's my favourite okay. for sentimental reasons.
2: Yeah, I agree with that. That's mine too. Oh, really? Mm.
1: Yeah. Okay, cool. Uh, are we counting B-sides in this list? Or? That's, that came, that's that a came non-album, non-album track. track, yeah. Yeah, it's got to be a B-side, surely. I think Erotic City.
3: Oh, yeah. Oh, jeez, I'm stuck now. The horny pony just keeps coming into my brain, but that's not the. That's not. That's nowhere near the best one. That, <laughs> we're
2: we're talking about releases here, bro.
3: Exactly. Ah. Oh. <laughs> I really like the Funky Weapon remix, like Get Off and the Lubricated Lady and Love Left, Love Right. Ah, <laughs> oh, geez, I don't know. Oh, that'll do. <laughs> what else is there? Why? Okay, is a question from Andrew. Andrew, why seventeen sixty three? What are each member of the Peach and Blake crew's top oh top we're not going to top five favorite non-80s Prince songs? Okay, so we're looking 90s and 2000s and.
1: Well, we did that. We did the 90s top ten. I oh, no, but that was us, nice, wasn't it? That
3: wasn't our favourites. Yeah.
1: Uh this heaps actually. Well, wow, I could go on for ages about
0: this Non-80s. One. Yeah, yeah, heaps. That's, and this heaps. that's a that's a, that's a whole show. Who, who asked the question again? Yeah. Right Andrew. Andrew, that, we might turn this. We might turn your question into a. a podcast my answer.
1: Actually. I think yeah. anyone who's listened to the show long enough will know my answer, and that's strange but race. true. Yeah. Strange but true. That that's the track. That's the sugar yeah. right there. Go and listen to that track.
3: <laughs> 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 oh, let me think. 90s. Well, it's it'll be. I can't. I won't pin one down. It'll be something on gold. You just gold. said
0: non 80s, right?
3: Yeah. So it could be some. Oh, oh, it's probably for me. It'll be something on gold. Or even on the Cymbal album. It could be the Morning Papers. It could be the Continental. It could be Endorphin Machine. Uh, there's there's a lot.
1: The track Time of Artificial Age. Oh, yeah. I really like nice. that track.
0: Yeah. What about you, Player? Uh,
2: I'd have to say maybe Insatiable.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah, good choice. Just just makes, Just gets out of the 80s with that one.
2: Yeah. <laughs> see, I was going to say Pink Cashmere, but that was released in the 90s, but recorded in the 80s, so
0: I can't... What about uh,
1: another one of my favourites, My Computer from Oh, That's a good joke. That's, That's a good. great track. That's
0: good. It's a strange... Strange but, but true. true. choice. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Everlasting Now. I love the Everlasting Now as well. That kicks ass. Yeah, with the Santana yeah. ending. I mean, you could go all night with this. A few that come into my mind are um, the, uh, the Breakdown. Um, yep. Definitely, without a doubt. Then I would go... Colonized mind, thirty-one twenty-one. Oh, the song, yeah.
2: Colonized mind, definitely. Yeah.
0: Thirty-one twenty-one. The song. Um,
3: oh, MC, you just reminded me of when we were at Ivy, and he started playing a song, <laughs> and we're all like, "It's colonized mind."
0: And it was. It was <laughs> never was the take song. the
3: place of your man, but it was yeah. so. No one knew the difference at the time. We're just like, oh my yeah. god. <laughs> <laughs> and then he started.
0: He's <laughs> so that was cool. Uh, yeah, and then a few other things like um, A Million Days of Musicology. Ooh. I would also say Last December of Rainbow Children, just because of the extended instrumental outro. Last I just think December. that is musical bliss. Um, is. You're without seeing it live is even better. Darn you. Oh, shit. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> <yeah>, shut up, Captain. <laughs> Mano War of Rave, and then, you know, how much time have you got? Endorphin John. Machine. Jughead, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think that'll do. Come, track one of the Come album. That's got to be up there. The, the album release version. You guys, you guys version. might just get me back into listening to Prince music after the yeah. show. I tell you.
3: Okay, next one. Matthew Payne. This is a, this is a good one. You're going to have to think about this. You're in the vault. Somehow we got in the vault. We were looking for MC. We got in there.
0: Looking for Rob S. <laughs>
3: <laughs> and we discover a 10-song album. It's the album Prince should have released... It was the direction you wished he'd gone after which album? That is oh, a, what a that, great question. that is a thinking question.
0: Can you repeat that question?
3: Okay, you're in the vault. You discover a 10-song album. It's the album Prince should have released slash the direction you wished he'd gone after which album.
0: Hmm.
3: Oh, it is hard. Because so many, the first like 10 albums were like totally different directions every time.
1: I'm going to say... And this is—I love the Batman album, but you're gonna say and, Love and I Sexy. Love, I was I thinking of Free Bridge, but yeah, I mean, I think Love Sexy is so good, and I think after Love Sexy, it was always it was always a bit of a dip, and I think yeah, that's that's some something in there, like the original Raven to the Joy Fantastic album that never got ah. released, maybe that. I don't know. I don't know if that's the album, but something from that period. Yeah,
3: period. yeah, I agree. I was thinking around there as well. <laughs>
0: I'm thinking something completely different, actually. I'm thinking either, and I won't say either, I'll go with my gut feel. I'm thinking the album right after Emancipation. Because I feel like the truth from 97 was cool, but I kind of wish he veered more into that, actually, more into that sort of territory of playing with acoustic and electric vibes. And harmonizing those two things together and, and playing around with that a little bit more and maybe going more down a world music vibe, just really going down a tangent. Because he kind of after the truth, he, he came back to his back to his normal funk roots with eighty with the ninety eight New Power Soul and then and then Rave and all that kind of stuff. And then I think that was the point at which he could have drastically recalibrated what's the word? Recreated himself after a I'm going to change my answer. <laughs> uh,
1: and it, I'm just looking at my shelf of albums. And I think, I think the album after Rainbow Children,
0: because Ooh,
1: yeah. You know, he oh started yeah, going, he started going down that experimental jazz kind mm. of thing. And we got a bit of it on the Rainbow Children and Expectations. Yes. And then the next thing you know, we're back with Musicology. And I love musicology, but I always felt like it would have been cool from just to stay in that
0: underground period just a little bit longer before the big comeback.
2: Yeah, yeah, that's
0: true. It's interesting, isn't it? That's you, a good yeah, question. Cool, that's a cool choice because he he's always been a kind of artist who he, he's always pulled in two two different directions, right? Or or many. That's why they directions. pay me the big so like. Do I please <laughs> my my pop audience or do I indulge in my artistic? fantasies And I think maybe maybe in the vault. Here's I just want to make one a quick comment, and, and we'll keep going with the questions because the show's not about this. But we we're talking about what's in the vault. He was in Paisley alone so often and recording so much without people even knowing that. In reality, none of us and none of the people even closest to him have any idea what's actually in there. I think. I mean. He could have just put all sorts of stuff together on his own. He, he, there, there might be a, you know, one out alone, piano and voice. There might be a number of those sorts of things in there. So anyway, keep moving.
3: Okay, next question. From Ronald Weilink. Atten- oh, this is a good one too. Has attending the microphone and piano tour and the release of Phase 2 changed how you will remember him? I don't know. Well, it will in a way. By seeing the piano and microphone tour, it just made me think... How even more unbelievable he was as a performer. That's what I think.
2: Yeah. Because we absolutely. knew
3: that, but then after seeing those shows, just him on the yeah, stage, no one else. Crazy.
2: Yeah, it was a different level kind of thing. Something you just had to witness. Yeah, it was great.
3: MC.
0: Yeah, I'm. I'm with you. I'm pretty much verbatim what you said, Captain, and and players' thoughts as well. Like, there's just. No, no words to express what I think the four of us and anyone who experienced the piano microphone shows experienced. I mean, whew, yeah, it makes the loss harder to bear.
3: Like we knew, we knew, we knew he was a great performer. We've seen lots of things. Yeah, but after seeing those shows, yeah,
0: crazy. In a way, it makes his passing harder to bear. Thinking about those piano and mic shows, in in one sense, because it was the beginning of his journey into that format. And I kind of feel like it would have been great to see how he would have evolved in that setting. But in a really, in another way, going back to Captain's point about how incredible it was. Yeah. It makes him, it makes his artistry, his musicianship and his performing ability to perform and captivate an audience even higher. I mean, it was remarkable what he pulled off just, On his own on the stage with no bullshit no lights we've talked about all this before no nothing but a guy on the stage playing a piano and uh so in a way the flip side to what i said earlier about makes his passing harder it actually makes his legacy and his impact on me as a fan of his uh, tremendous you know it's hard it's hard to describe i guess There'll never be another like him. That's all I'll say. Told you. I don't think it makes it harder. The fact that we saw the shows,
1: I don't think it makes it harder to bear. If anything, I think it makes it a lot easier because I just feel so privileged that I was able to see the, that final tour. I mean, I think we said this last show as well, but probably something like five or ten percent. Probably not even ten percent. Probably like seven or eight percent of what we would consider, you know, legit Prince fans saw those witnessed shows. That those last piano shows, and I just feel so lucky to have been one of the countries that he came to, to for us to see that. I think it would have been a lot harder if he had a died and we didn't see those shows and the last show I saw was like, you know, four or five years ago.
0: It's a good point.
1: Yeah. I think after those shows, you know, I think, I don't know what you guys feel, but, you know, I think we all kind of feel like, you know, we're all getting a bit older and life is moving on. And those kind of shows were something of a bit of a closure, I think. Like, I think all of us had our interest in Prince had... I don't want to say waned, but it had sort of become a bit less uh, spontaneous or something. It sort of become be a little exciting? bit guiding. I don't know. Yeah, it had become a little bit predictable in some ways, and so those kind of shows is it's some it's it's a bit of a closure, I think. So I'm so lucky I was there to see them. So. You
3: can definitely say about those shows is as being the last shows, the last tour that we saw. It couldn't be any better.
0: Oh yeah, yeah. I mean just the intimacy. It was kind of like a like closing, to Tojan's point, a closure. The shows were closure of some sort, but it's easy to say that in retrospect. But I think many of think us it, felt that at the time. You're right.
1: Think of it this way. Like, imagine, like, uh, I, you know, this is a terrible hypothetical scenario, but imagine, you know, Prince had cancer or something, and he had 12 months to live, and someone said, what do you want to see as the final show? I mean, in that scenario, you'd probably say, you know, I just want to see him play the piano and just sing, just for an hour and a half. like. Yep. Which, so, in, that, re- is up my in that as you said that, because I'm remembering that yeah, we all saw that. In that sense, it's like it is the perfect show for him to go out on, as sad as that is. Hmm.
3: Well, talking about closure, I don't, I don't want to end. We can't end the show on on this sad one, so we'll, we'll go yeah. a couple more. <laughs> so, next question from Vanessa Bett Hi, guys. Being male fans growing up, did you guys cop much flack with your family and friends? What ages were you? We sort of covered that in, um, was it Symbolic yes. Beginnings? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was. We did a show, yeah, he Vanessa, called Symbolic Beginnings. I can't remember. It was probably maybe 2010 mm-hmm. or so. And we talk tell exactly those things about how much fun it was being the only Prince fan in you know the entire town you live in. It's great.
0: <laughs> I, I think the general answer to that question is that all of us did experience a number of those things, but we grew out of it, I guess, so. Oh, and one thing I will say, and I don't know if this is what she's getting at when by asking the question, but for you and for anyone else that's listening out there, if you are a young Prince fan or a younger Prince fan, just don't pay attention to any of that crap because anyone who says anything of that sort, number one, doesn't know what they're talking about. Number two, he's completely ignorant. And number three isn't worth listening to. We're we're dedicated to on this show to talking about one of the greatest musicians and artists that has ever lived, and that's all that anyone needs to know. So, you know, all these people that talk 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 crap. To be perfectly blunt, it's not worth listening to them. So don't worry about it. There's always sounds, a place for you.
3: You're not talking and, about this show, you know, are you?
0: I'll plug our show by saying. <laughs>
3: We just talk crap for hours Yeah, well
0: Yeah, I am actually. I mean, there's always a place for you. There's always going to be four, 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 four crazy Aussie Prince fans that will that will at least um, give you some comfort with regards to being able to... It's a safe place, this is, Peach of the Peach of My podcast. We can talk about Prince without feeling victimized and vilified. There you go.
3: Okay, here's one from Jim Hartson. He says, I'll ask a non-Prince question. After the Hearts interview, I listened to his music and really took to it. Are there any other new or not well-known to America artists that you'd recommend? I don't know any new artists, really. Anyone else? <laughs> I'm not the person for the, to answer that.
2: Uh, there's a new artist that I'm listening to called Nao from the UK. Uh, she's just released a debut album called For All We Know. That's a really good
3: album. So yeah, check her out. What's her name? Nao. N A O. Anyone else? M C. Tujam.
0: A couple of people. When you say new artists, relatively new on the scene, my pick would be Kamasi Washington, without a doubt. Uh, check him out. Kamasi Washington. Again, not that oh, new, yeah, but newish in in popular terms. Uh, Hiatus Coyote. They're fantastic. And uh, who else? There was someone, oh, really sultry, soulful Australian female singer by the name of Milan Ring, who I know very little about, but I've kind of taken to her atmospheric R&B soul type music that she produces. I'm not sure where she's based or where she's from in Australia, but definitely Australian. And I heard her live recently. I can't remember what the venue was, but yeah, check her out. You can stream her on Tidal and just Google Milan Ring. She's a cool artist. Yeah, that's about it. I'm sure there's plenty more. Maybe we'll do a show about this one day.
3: Oh, I just thought of someone. Not new at all, but definitely unknown in America, is Sarah McLeod and a band called The Super Jesus. Go and listen to them. I love her voice. Amazing voice. Hey, tell jam.
0: I can't think of anyone.
3: Cheap fakes. All right. <laughs> okay. We've got another question from Austin Ernst. He already had a question, but it's a good question, so I've got to say it. In your guy's opinion, what was the last... I guess we're talking about Prince. What was his last masterpiece album in your view? And I'll probably just go straight back to Rainbow Children, I think. For me, it's Lotus Flower
0: Project.
3: Oh, yeah. Lotus Flower was a good one. MC?
0: I'm really tempted to say Artificial Age, but the word masterpiece throws me off a little bit because... (laughs) It's an incredibly good album. It's an amazing album, especially in, in, in his latter career. But, yeah, I think you guys are on, on, on point. I think Lotus Flower takes the cake. That, that opinion may change. I'll have to listen to Artificial Age again. because There's some, there's some great stuff on there. Told you. Uh, I'm going to say Artificial Age. I think that was a great album.
3: Okay, we've got one more question. One more. Let's end with this one.
0: Last one? There's, there's just too many. Too many. Let's go.
3: Last question from... Erica Thompson, what are Prince's best drum performances slash recordings? I'm just trying to think what, he, what songs he plays drums on. Uh, first one that comes to mind for
0: me is uh, Lady
3: Cab Driver.
0: Yeah, Lady Cab Driver, that's a good one. I'm thinking some of his kind of classiest drum performances where, where you can hear Prince, Prince's touch on the drums, his feel for the drums. In more recent memory are songs like A Million Days. That's great. I really, really enjoy listen, listening to his drumming on A Million Days. And, oh, there was one more I had in mind. What was it? Oh, Call My Name. So two off Musicology. Call My Name's really cool, really cool drumming. And that's, again, that's, that's Prince drumming on that. Uh, Courting Time. Courting Time's really cool.
3: I can't really think of any. I just keep thinking of, um, is it it's in the Sign of the Times movie where he gets on the drums and swaps over with Sheila? That's, the, that's all I can think of right now.
0: And I think you've got to go with the first few tracks off Parade, the album, pretty much. Really cool. Sparse.
3: Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. uh,
0: Minimal playing. That's a hit.
3: And now we go Toe Jam.
0: I'm trying to think what tracks Prince plays drums on.
1: Uh, I know there's a lot, and my brain's fried now.
0: Okay, MC. All right, well, that was Ask Peach and Black Podcast a question and we went through not all of them but many of the questions we received we may do another show like this in the future for anyone else that has more questions and for the questions that we missed out we are incredibly sorry we will get to them at some point hopefully but that was fun that was really cool and as i said when we started this episode it's good to Start looking to the future and also look to the past and bring those two things together and lighten the the tone and the mood a little bit and get back into the reason why we all uh, are here in the first place and why we started the show and why we continue to do it, which is the music. It's Prince's music that we're about on Peach and Black and uh, Free pizza. Thanks, and Free <laughs> and Free stuff and uh, yeah, thanks, uh, Player Toe Jam <laughs> and Captain. <laughs> For, uh, for joining me today well, we hope you enjoyed getting an insight into, into our answers and into our minds and um, we enjoyed answering your questions so with that, see you on the other side we will come to the table with some more episodes in the future. Okay. That's it. see you all right. peace to everyone. Yeah. Thanks right. again for listening. Yay
3: see we you out <laughs>